Hello and welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. This is a very special edition. This is the final episode of the Captain's Log Project. Stephen Barry here, joined by Francis Murphy. Yo, yo, yo. I actually can't believe this is over. You know, this is amazing. The end We've of- finally done something yeah, yeah. to completion. The project is coming to an end. We are now going to be doing the ranking of the Star Trek films. 13 films ranked from top to bottom. Bottom to top. And a couple of special categories in there. Little awards going to give out. Uh, We've been coming up with a few. Um, Mostly Steve, my brain has been destroyed. Yeah, you're, you're, you're tired. Of, uh, to give you a, a heads up on this. This is 20 past one in the morning. <laughs> We've already done two podcasts and watched two films already. Had some beers and some pizzas. <laughs> um, a pretty- Our unending dedication to an audience that weren't unsure if they even exist <laughs> is is great. I think I think we've we've done ourselves quite proud tonight yeah let's give ourselves a pat on the back sort of star trek beyond this could be called podcast beyond sort of gone beyond the i don't i don't even know so what's the structure like what is happening well i think we should maybe dole out some of the smaller awards kind of a little chit chat about some of them just quickly give awards out to a few um awards that i've come up with and then the main event is the top 10 rankings. All right. And this will be, we'll talk about the worst one first. We'll have to start there, I think. And essentially debate the merits of which film it goes to. And, you know, obviously there's a good chance we'll agree on it. So there's not much to say. We'll just summarize the review right. very quickly on it. Talk about a little th- where it went wrong, all that. And then all the way up through to number one. And then if there's obviously issues where we really feel that a certain <laughs> film can't be there, if we argue yeah. the case, don't be afraid, you know? Like, this is this is fi- finality, you know? <laughs> so We can do it. Yeah. Okay, so a couple of the awards um, right. that I've come up with. Let's do it. Let's do these awards then. Okay. So these are ones that Steve's came up with, because I, I came up with stupid ones. And- well, I've got four, one of them being relatively stupid. We've got... Best death scene. Uh, we've also got best performance, best villain, and best use of the Beastie Boys. Right, well, best death scene, let's think about that. Well, I kind of think that Star Trek 2 were um, Captain... T- uh, if you recall, Captain Terrell and Chekhov both got those bugs put in their ears, and then they were controlled by Khan, and they were on the planet. They were holding guns on Kirk. Oh yeah, and then Captain Terrell shot himself and died. I've always felt that was sort of like I don't count Spock's because he came back to life, but I, I, I think Terrell's death in that film was gru- like it was gruesome and it like it wasn't a ple- like pleasant scene. Do you know what I mean? It was like a agonized scene. I thought it was quite a and 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 as well, I like that actor. I can't remember his name, but he was in Terminator One as well. Like he was one of the police officers in Terminator One, like the police chief or something. Oh, was it him? Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah, and I, I've always kind of liked that actor. Yeah, I loved him in that film because um, he was like, you know, had a pure like Magnum, like pulled it out of his pocket yeah, or something. Yeah, he was totally. like ready to fight the Terminator. What was it he says to Sarah Connor? Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> there are 30 police officers in this building. Yeah, it's the safest building or something like that, he says. Yeah. Uh, 
and it's just like the Terminator des- absolutely destroys them. I was about mm-hmm. to use that word. I know. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 decimates. No, destroyed one tenth. Destroyed three police officers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, one tenth of the uh, station. Decimates is a word that people want to use because it sounds great, but it's not the right word. Yeah, we don't always destroy one tenth of things. Anyway, I I, I nominate that death Terrell from Star Trek Two. Okay, um, let me think of any counterpoints to that. Otherwise, we're giving it to that. Um, what about... Well, Khan's death, maybe, in, in Star Trek 2? Well, actually, yeah, I suppose, because in his death, he, he created a whole planet. Yeah, and he gets like almost like a his own moment of satisfaction. Well, he thinks was, he's killed yeah, Kirk. Which is an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. Like, that's quite, quite cool, in a way, the way they've done it. Um, where he gets his own moment of the word redemption isn't really quite right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's maybe my nomination. It's interesting we're both going with Star Trek Two. Yeah, that's that is interesting. Mm. Something's mm. going to happen later on. Yeah. I think with Star yeah. Trek Two, number ten, isn't it? It's number ten in the list. Well, th- thirteen. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So we'll go. Well, between them two. Uh, right. Do you have any other get a, get a coin right? If because there's only two of us, right? We have to. We have. To, I think. What well, actually do we do it by chance? Well, I think maybe can. You know I, I think I think cans maybe is the more satisfying death scene because he thinks he, yeah that there's he, that added extra extra added element to it. Uh-huh. I think that makes it kind of slightly above that. Yeah. All right. So there we go. Can we'll go for can. Can's death is the best death scene, and I think a special nod to. Spock in that film it's obviously because if you took it in isolation that's a death scene uh-huh. and if I think that, that I, I think that would have been my number one if you weren't just kind of excluding it for the fact that he gets resurrected mm-hmm. so I think that's same a, here and so, all all from Star Trek too yep yep that's a runner up um, okay next award then best performance god well I kind of have to say Leonard Nimoy because not only did he portray uh, an alien character who was completely logical and but also had a fight with his hum- human side as well, he portrayed that character for longer than anyone else. Yeah. Through... Is there any specific film that you feel that he was well, on? I feel like Star Trek 2009 was the pinnacle of that because his journey from playing him in the 60s through all the films in the 70s and 80s and then he played him in The Next Generation for a couple of episodes in the 90s and then the very end of the 2000s, like the noughties, like 2009, like he closed off Spock's character with that scene with young Spock saying, you know, it's not all about... And in fact, he said it in Star Trek Six as well. He said to Valeris, logic's the beginning of wisdom, not the end. And then he said to Kirk in The Next Generation, which was about maybe 70 years later, about about his human side. And then in Star Trek 2009, he says to Spock, you know, do what feels right, you know. And he's gone on this journey from, from being ashamed of his human side in the 60s episodes to kind of being more at peace with it, to, you know, with who he is in the movies, to then at the end of the movies embracing his human side a little bit more to the future of the next generation where he's really thinking about it to 2009 where he's saying to Spock this is a part of you yeah and 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 you have to you know this is part you know and we saw that in Star Trek Beyond Spock laughing at something McCoy has said what Spock what 
Nimoy's character said to Quinto's character has affected him. And I think that performance is probably one of the longest character arcs ever across TV and cinema. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't think anything can compare to that. I can't really disagree with that. I think that's probably my pick as well. I was trying to think of a Shatner performance that you would say is where... Oh, he went on a journey too, but it wasn't quite as... Yeah. Oddly enough, one of the poorer films had some of the best character moments. Um, Star Trek V? Yeah, yeah, Final Frontier. I think that... Um, that's a, It's a kind of... There's not one per- particular performance, but I think that might have some of the best scenes. If we were to grant best scenes, that would be up there as a nomination. Weirdly similar to Beyond, mm-hmm. actually, some of those moments with yeah. the characters. But, um, yeah, I think, I think performance-wise... For a sustained and logical progression performance that actually had something that that has impacted audience and other characters and the character themselves, it's got to be Nimoy. Like, yeah. what a journey! And it's kind of emotional in a way. Like, I think I felt quite emotional in two thousand and nine when I went to see that film and I watched him say those things. I thought, you know what? There's a dedicated actor there. There's someone who's gone on this journey the whole way. Okay, you know? so unanimously our winner is Spock just throughout the series. Uh, there's no one particular performance that you would say brings it. Maybe 2009 is the one you would say then. Take the, take I closed the it off, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and I, th- I think that was, a, that was a moment of satisfaction for Nimoy as well. It's interesting, I just remembered, we didn't talk about Kirk's death scene and the best death scene. Yeah, but... I would never support that because Kirk should never have died like that. I don't think... I thought you loved that scene. Well, I do like it, but I think that... I don't know. Well, we won't come back to it. We'll yeah, it's, it's one of those, like, where I, I just... I don't know. Like, I do love it because I have to love it because it is there. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's part of the, the whole thing. But at the same time, I don't know. Like, it didn't really serve a purpose, did it? Yeah. Apart from the fact that it was true to his character, Kirk would sacrifice himself to to save other people, but... Okay, alright then. This one might be Ten-year-old quite... me was very upset. Yeah. This one might be quite obvious. Best villain. Well, it's got to be um, Ricardo Montalban's can from Star Trek 2. Yeah, I think so. I was trying to think of a, a, a better... Or the Borg. Well, yeah, that was my second pick. As a collective. Yes. Not the Queen. Not but... the, yeah, exactly. The Borg, the first half of First Contact version of the Borg mm-hmm. is up there. Um, and certainly the best of the next generation. Uh, I'd, I'd say it's I'd a say... tie break there with yeah. them too. And, and Generations had Malcolm McDowell who was actually that was a great performance, yeah. and but he's not got the clout. He's just one a one man. You know what I mean? Like true. he's not. Yeah. He's not a genetic Superman to no. take over the galaxy, and he's not a a race of like cybernetic beings, I suppose. But I'd say if we were to do best villain performance, I'd toss it up between McDowell and Ricardo Montalban, and uh, not Benedict Cumberbatch. No, no. He's not in there at all. McDowell and Ricardo Montalban are uh, oh orders of magnitude better actor, actors than a lot of the people that we... What like, about Christopher Lloyd in The Undiscovered Country? Oh, no, that was Star Trek Three. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was Christopher Plummer in oh, that's right. Star Trek Six. 
There we go. Get my Christopher Plummer is a big like draw because he was. I mean, this is the guy that was in the Sound of Music for God's sake. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, he's a legendary actor. But I think when you're looking at villain, you've got to look at the. You're not so much looking at the actor as the character. You know, like I think Star Trek's been quite lucky with villains. A lot of them have been quite good. Um, but I'd say you could categorize villains like best kind of lone villain maybe can or Malcolm McDowell uh, Carl Mattelban Malcolm McDowell um like conspirator would be like Christopher Plummer like cause he was he was like weaseling around what with like, John Voight what one was he Insurrection. in Insurrection was it was it John Voight sure oh as the Admiral yeah he was the Admiral yeah. kind of the yeah he um probably uh, one of the weakest no, well, well I, he was fine. Actually, the film he, was just poor. What I found interesting about him was that he actually tried to turn to the good side and then got murdered. God, yeah. <laughs> like, so there was a point where he was like, actually, this is just ridiculous. We can't be doing this anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, he was convinced by Picard. So he was a villain, but he was like a. He was one of those ones that maybe went down the wrong path but could have been brought back again but it's a great actor yeah and two more just to can I discuss them just for brief Nero from 2009 uh, Eric Bana you, uh, you know Did you, you probably like... you probably would have expected me to choose him he was you really were keen on but his but he was he was less of a villain and more of a device he was a device for the plot he was still a villain. But, he was a I mean, homicidal as, maniac who yeah, killed yeah. six billion people. Yeah, but that being said, Quite a like, villainous move. Like he wasn't like with Can, for example. We knew his background. We knew why he was there. We knew why he hated Kirk. It was all personal. All yeah, stuff. there wasn't much fleshed out with uh-huh. Nero. Like Nero hadn't met any of them before. Yeah. So, but Nero was a device. I loved Nero as part of that film, but as a a villain out of the lot I couldn't choose him okay and what about Shinzon um, what's his name what the actor yeah Tom Hardy Tom Hardy in, in a role that like if they'd tried to get him two or three years later they would never oh, have been able to afford him nope. but um, yeah he was he was good I think yeah I, I think he was Tom Hardy. I think he played an insane young Picard quite well mm-hmm. but I, I just don't think he had the gravitas not quite there yet, no. Of some of the yeah, yeah, some of the others. No. Okay, so best villain clearly is Khan. That's the ultimate winner. Or the Borg. And the Borg is a close runner up, I would say. Just only slightly behind because of the sort of demystified you know, the Queen. Oh I know, kinda. I know. Yeah. Okay, so Me and Mark actually were in the same room as Alice Kreej, who played the Borg Queen when we met um You told that on the podcast before. Yeah. Um See I'm going to see now now, I'm forgetting what I've said. Alright, well that is late to be fair. Our final category that I came up with earlier, this is probably not gonna be one we'll have much to say on. Best use of the Beastie Boys. Hmm. Well it could be it's <laughs> Is there's only really two choices here. It could be Star there... Trek 2009, where Sabotage was played. Oh, is it? I, got... when, I forgot um, it was in that. I was assuming it was going to be beyond. Like, young little Kirk was driving the oh, yeah. car okay, and, and drove it over a cliff, which wasn't that great. All right, so... And then there's the moment, obviously, in Beyond, where they destroy the alien menace, like the swarm of ships with the, the song being played. So I think Beyond's better. Beyond, certainly, is the winner of this category. 
<laughs> a hotly debated category. Yeah. Okay. Fuck you, man. <laughs> now I think we're ready to do our rankings of the films. I think we should do half and then have a little break where we maybe go into some a special section where we maybe try do some our final impressions of certain characters before we then do the, the final five or six or whatever. Okay, let's argue the case for the first up to... So number 13. We'll start at 13. Right. Um, so Well, what's your 13? For me, now this is between two films, and I, I'm, I'm depending what minute it is, I, I can change it. Currently, I have written it down as Star Trek Into Darkness. Agreed. Yeah, I think. I, I, I thought... My next pick would be Insurrection. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to, we can agree that that's the order. Star Trek Into Darkness is the worst film in the Star Trek film franchise. Okay. Yeah, we agree with that. Yep. And Insurrection is the second worst Number film. Number 12? Um, yep. Right. We don't have to really right. do, argue. Do case. the numbers, right? So just so we have it clear. So Into Darkness is 13. Yeah. Insurrection is 12. Yeah. That's the same as me. Yeah. So what's 11? So. Are you want to even just talk about them very briefly or just essentially just one line review? I, I think if we agree, yeah, true, we don't really to have to, yeah. but I think if if we don't have the same one, then we have to okay. hash okay. them out. All right, then. Because if we did it for, if, let's say you spent 10 minutes or five minutes on every film, that's going to take fucking forever. <laughs> right. So let's... Okay, <laughs> let's move along. Number 11... You can go. What's your number 11? Star Trek 5. Correct. Star Trek 5, The Final Frontier is Did you just 11. say that because I agreed with you it's correct? <laughs> yeah. You bastard. You should say agreed. That's the word to use. No, it's correct. It's it's, it's definitive. Your opinion is correct. Yes. Okay, well, good. Also correct. Yeah. Right. Um, so this about, is going to be a short podcast, I think. What about 10? I think this is where it's going to start getting divisive. Uh-huh. For me, number 10 is Star Trek 2009. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Mine was uh, Star Trek Generations. Oh, wow. That's lower than I thought in your eyes. Okay, let's... let's, uh, Discuss it. Yes, discuss Generations versus 2009. For me... Don't you think... Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, okay, on you go. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Like, like, let's, like, let's get the friendliness out of the way. Roll the cuffs. This is a... Fuck friendship, <laughs> right? Yeah. Generations is, is narratively far worse than 2009. I think 2009 had a more coherent story. There was a clear story going on. Now, the reason I paired those two together, like Generations 2009 in my mind, because I was thinking about this, like they were roughly around about the same place like on the list. Although it's for me, thousand nine's a bit higher, but in that kind of third tier category, not shit, but not great. But um, you have the return of a, an old character, so you've got the return of Shatner as Kirk, you've got the return of Nimoy as Spock, and they're kind of holding the film together. It's passing the torch onto the reboot cast or onto the next generation cast. But two thousand and nine is it looks better, it sounds better, it's snappier, it's it's got a more well the story is simpler in some ways in 2009 Star Trek so you've got um, timeline changed, we're watching the crew grow up they've got a villain to fight blah blah blah, bang it's over, you know and you get this nice bit with Nimoy 
with Generations, it's like quite confused. You know, you've got Picard is sad because his family were burned to death in a fire and Kirk was blown out the side of a ship. And well, if you're going to be sad about something, those are probably yeah, good reasons to but, be sad. But there's a number, like, but you've also got, like, um, Soren wants to get back to the Nexus to get back inside again, like, to, to get to Paradise again. And you've got um, time travels thrown in there and the, the Klingon sisters are there. And do you know what I mean? There's just so many. It's a confused. You've got John Harriman, in the captain of the Enterprise B, who's like this young and experienced guy, and Kirk's bucking against that. And, you know, there's, there's so many different little storylines going on in it that it just feels. Like, it's not a tight movie. It's not a... To me, it's a narratively confused film. I don't disagree with that. That A lot of that does sit with me, and I can agree. I feel like the villain was one of the stronger elements of it. Malcolm McDowell, for me, was one of the, the better things about it. A lot of his scenes I enjoyed. Time is the fire in which we burn. Exactly. A great uh, voice. Yes, that's it. And, and I he was still quite young at that point. I like a good... Villain, I like a good villain in a film, and I think that's where it, it it's better than Nero. Um, Eric Bana was, as you said, he was a device, perfunction. You know, it was that kind of like, but it wasn't it wasn't particularly memorable. Mm. Um, for me, it was Picard's first film outing. It was interesting to see him in the role, and for most of the point, in most of the film, I enjoyed that. Great actor. And it was, did have the two of them meeting, and as much as it was a little off at points, I didn't know if it was quite as iconic as I was hoping. I, thought, I remember the set. The well, that's actual, it. It looked a little cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the setting, you know, it was all a bit um, lighter like, than I was. I would see, have if they had done a film like that today, it would have been absolutely fucking unbelievable yeah. I mean it would have been legendary like think about the resources they would have thrown at that if they could have got Picard and Kurt together today yeah but you know I think that film just sits above 2009 for me 2009 I the lens flare the production stuff was just OTT it spoke down to the audience almost and that sort of like you know like Yes, it, there's an element to to try and reach the mass audience and try and bring in more people and and things like that, and it makes some sort of sense. But it's it, they went too far. The color palette is insane, and that led in both that and Into Darkness are so egregious for that, and that to me was highlighted even further than watching Beyond, which kind of reaffirmed my position that. And I wasn't keen on the take on Kirk. I get it, it's a journey. You need that. You need a journey. You need that. I get it. But I just didn't enjoy watching it. It felt like how I felt about watching young Darth Vader. Um, Baby Vader. Yeah. But, I mean, I will give you your point, though, to be fair. Um, Leonard Nimoy being in the film, he was a bigger part than I remember. Honestly, like, see my the film. See my point, man? It's basically just, like neatness of writing like it's such a simple thing for me like i will love a movie if it's if 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 i can coherent like if it's coherent and if i can understand like one thing to the next right now i've got an emotional attachment to generations because i went to see it when i was 10 years old or i think it was 10 or 9 or whatever went to see it you know i remember going to see it i was upset about kirk dying and all that kind of thing and you know, it's part of that old Star Trek. For me to rank 2009 above that is a 
Yeah. A big deal. So, like, oh, you know what? I'm going to concede. But like, this. I, I, I will, I, because there is, but, it, but it's things. simple. It, basically, it's only, it's just like, if I was marking them on storytelling, that's all. Like, mm-hmm. we'll like, ignore the lens flare and we'll ignore um, performing. Like, it's just about story for me. It's like, let's say you had Malcolm McDowell and, and Patrick Stewart in Star Trek 2009 with the seat. Let's say you took that story and transplanted it and you had that progression. It would be a much better viewing experience. You'd be like, oh, yeah, we know exactly what's going on here, you know? Whereas I think, like, here's the question, right? As someone who's never really watched Star Trek, what film would you understand more easily? And I think you'd understand 2009 more easily. Yeah, I was thinking that. You know, as a basic visual viewing experience, uh, taking away all the lens and, and high contrast nonsense that I really don't like, um, that film does have a snappier feel to it. It is more accessible uh-huh. in most ways. That's what I'm thinking. So, yeah. Okay, I will concede. On the basis of that we want to finish this at some point, I will concede on this fight. Can we do that the whole way through? Just wear each other down? Well, that's, you know, that's what I said. You know, if you feel strongly about your case, you've got to argue. I don't want just to... Well, I don't. I wouldn't say I feel... It's not like... No, I'm, no, no. I'm, we're, we're having a, a debate. Yeah. Debate. I mean, I think, I think it's more, you know... If we can convince each other of it, yeah, no, and I and I'm, I, do you know what I mean? You know, like, I did and, at one point feel that I was being a little harsh to 2009, you know, when in my ranking, I have ranked it, I've ranked it tenth. So that's quite low. I think most Star Trek fans would say that's really low, and and they might say that for mine as well. So the next one, then, did you go first? I think it's me now to say. Yep. Yeah, so it's number nine. So what did you have for that? Okay, I voted as my number nine now bearing in mind you know I, I obviously argue in the case for 2009 being there but number nine then is Star Trek the motion picture okay I had Star Trek 3 oh wow that's that's a lot lower than I thought that would be yeah and that's the thing it's like we're talking like super fun here like the way I'm ranking them is, su- is from a super fan perspective. It's not from a like just a, just a general sci-fi fan kind of perspective, but but it's also from a a narrative perspective. Once again, Star Trek 3's narrative is not as tight as other movies, and it's not a film you could watch on its own. It has to be seen as part of a set. Okay, yeah, true. Like you couldn't just put on Star Trek 3. You'd have to watch Star Trek 2 to watch Star Trek 3 or she wouldn't have a fucking clue what was going on. Like, why is he dead? What's going on? Do you know what I mean? But, I mean, it's a fun film. Like, anything above, like, 11 is is one that I would say is... is... We're we're out of the two-star range after even the Final Frontier. We both agreed to three-star film, a low three. So the Final Frontier is kind of like the best of the worst. And then you move on to these, which are the the kind of stragglers. Yeah, Generations, Search for Spock in Motion Picture, we 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 gave three stars as well as 2009, reassessed. But, like, I mean, I, I, I like... The reason I haven't put them like the motion picture, the reason I would argue against that being there is that it is visually gorgeous. Yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? And it's unique in the series. Like, there's nothing else like it. Star Trek Three is kind of a middle-of-the-road narrative muddle filler film that is in between. Whereas the motion picture is, is a kind of... It's like a vanguard sort of let's try something different here. But the thing is, I know why you would put it there, right? I mean, it's nowhere near the top for me. But, like... It's a slow, boring kind of film yeah. to a lot of people. Heavily repetitive on just people looking out the view screen at uh-huh. space. And it has a lot of work that needs to be done to it, yeah. I think, to make it workable. But at the same time... And those beige uniforms. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, there's definite work to be done there. <laughs> but, but at the same time, there are moments in the motion picture where you could drop some acid and sit there. We don't... We don't ever do this. <laughs> We're not I, I'm talking. This. I'm talking in theory, by the way. But what I'm saying is, like, this is a f- the motion picture can at times be a transcendent film, and it's the product of the mind of someone like Robert Wise. Robert Wise, yeah, who is a legendary, well, was a legendary director, legend, like, you know, orders of magnitude better than a lot of other people. Okay. To get to get him, yeah. To- I'm- yeah, I'm coming around to that as well. Unfortunately, it's, I'm gonna. This might be a common theme. Listen, uh, second years, I'm teaching you persuasive writing. This is how you do it. <laughs> well, all right. You are more familiar with the films. You're kind of, you know, I have only seen them all once. So, listen, I will concede to you at some point. I'm sure you don't have to do it just to be. No, I wouldn't. I would fair, <laughs> but statistical probability would yeah. say that at some stage. To be honest. I have. I'm probably being cruel. The first one we saw so long ago. I don't remember a lot of it. I just remember just those shots of the of them staring at screen yeah. outside, and it was like, did anything else happen in that film? It was such an anticlimactic end. It was like just them finding a beacon or something, wasn't it? There was no villain in the film or anything. Well, it was a probe. A probe, yeah. <laughs> Just a probe. But it was, yeah. It, I mean... It was an experimental movie and it was almost like an art house film more, and it had all this cool music. And as was, much as... Sir, but some of the scenes though, Steve, there was some shots in Star Trek 1 that are goddamned beautiful. Like, unbelievably so. Like, to the point where you think, how did they do that at the time? And what about, though, in Search for Spock, though, the, the death of Kirk's son? Yeah. But I, but I mean, that's a big moment. It is, but we're taking the films as a whole. That's the thing, like, rather than reviewing them as single things on the ranking, like, I like to think that what we're doing is... I don't know whether I'm biased because narrative is so important to me, but... Uh, it's whatever is important to you. Like if visuals I, I, was the I, most I, important thing, you would vote certain films over others. It's all about what you prefer. Yeah. But, so it's just, it's a subjective thing, what we're doing. It's hard to... Quantify. Defin- yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I'm trying to build a ranking for someone who might want to sit down and casually watch it. So what I'm doing is I'm thinking, what what are the films that they could sit down and watch and get? And, and understand that are high quality. But, like, that's part of it as well. Like, a ranking is a recommendation, mm. I suppose, in a sense. So, to, in order to recommend a film to somebody, um, I'd want them to be able to access it. Does that make sense? That they could put it on and understand what the fuck is happening. So, like, the, the very first film on this list is going to be one that's a jumping off point for them to go to the rest. Yeah. I'm not saying that that a ranking list for a franchise isn't always saying that the films are worse than the others. It's just that maybe they're more accessible. It depends. It can be. And they can be worse. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Into Darkness, it is on the bottom of the list because it's shit. But 
There's also the fact that, like... Have we kicked it enough? No, no. no. Yeah, we're going to kick it after it's died, um, uh, to the point where we're sure that it is never coming back. But, um, yeah, there's certain films on this list that are going to be ranked because of accessibility as well. Okay, let's... let's Hold that thought, because I'm going to go and grab a beer. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, it's thirsty work, this, by the way. Number we at now? Okay, number eight. What do you have, Fran? Um, I'm. <laughs> I got confused there because I couldn't find it. Um, Star Trek Nemesis. Really? Wow, yep. that's lower than I thought you would. Again, well, for me, it's generations. Interesting. Well, I think we already know how we feel about that since we've. we've well, yeah, played, exactly. We've, so that's already been voted. We've placed in. So, generations, but so. So then I feel like I have to argue the case for 2009 there. How do you mean? Well, 2009 I've put even lower and it's still not been placed on the list. So in the fact that we've already locked in generations into top number 10 or whatever, but 2009's still not been locked in, well, I'm going to opt to place it. Or the motion picture, because I've put that in as well. Well, we'd have to look at number 7 then, because that's what I put 2009 Right. So I suppose we get to that point where one of them... To me, we're arguing between... Our, our number eight is between three films. It's between... So... Generations and Search for Spock are locked in. They are... We've agreed on them as mm-hmm. ten and nine. 2001, the motion picture. 2001? Oh, God. 2009. Reboot, right, the uh... reboot. God damn it. The reboot... And the motion picture. The motion picture and what one did you say there? Uh, Nemesis, Nemesis are all fighting now for that. Well, number to, to number not eight. be in no, number eight. So one of them is getting placed there. I personally feel Nemesis a better film than those other two. It is a much more enjoyable film. Better than motion picture. Both, both films. The motion and... picture is like you say. Yes, those points you made. Um, I don't know. Nemesis is a better film. Think about how much enjoyment we had when we watched that film. We gave that four stars. And we we both agreed the motion picture was three stars. Now, I don't want this to come down to what we ranked it. I want it to be an argument. Thinking about it, I would actually concede it. I think I I would concede it that Nemesis is better than those. I know that historically... But the question is, what we're going to put there? Well... Well, we'll find out, but to me, right, yeah, so I'd say we've kicked Nemesis out of this argument and Nemesis is going to be higher up than 8. So it's between so the motion be- picture and, and the reboot. It's going to have to be... It's going to have to be the reboot. Yeah? Yeah. It's going to have to be 2009. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is... There we go. I think I think we can agree on that because I enjoyed Nemesis way too much to to put it I'm curious to see where you've actually put it, but we'll get there eventually. Okay. So, locking in 2009. I'll write them down because I didn't write So, lock in 2009 for that. Yeah. That's fair because it's only one mark down from where I actually put it. Yeah, which is fine. So, I can can live with that. And I don't want the motion picture to be destroyed at this point. (laughs) Um, 
So or Nemesis really. 15, 12, 11, 10. I mean I I may I may consider Nemesis for number seven. So okay. it, it goes and from worst so far it's number twelve, number nine, number five, number six, number three. A lot of the odd numbers in this section. Star Trek. So what have you got for number seven? My number seven, we've already spoke about it. Star Trek Free the Search for Spock. So we've already locked that in. Mm-hmm. So again, what is your number seven? Because it's kind of going to be between Nemesis, the motion picture, and whatever else you've got for number seven. Well, I had the reboot as to 2009 as number seven. Right. So I'd that, probably be more likely to move Nemesis there. So that means it's either, it's either between the motion picture or Nemesis as a number seven. I'd say it, it, out of the two of them, I'd have to choose Nemesis because I feel like the motion picture is the more original movie. I feel like Nemesis is a derivative film in some ways, and it was quite forward-looking as well in terms of like maybe being something that could have become a sort of genre movie like style that they used later on, but the motion picture's a more exciting movie than Nemesis, I think. Really? I disagree I don't, with that. I don't mean like exciting <laughs> as in plot or pacing, but I mean like... like I, mean, was- I don't want to be snobby about it, but like watching Star Trek, the motion picture... The motion pictures, it's it's like an art house film. Like, it depends how we're judging it. Like, although that being said, the, like, the fact is that if we place the motion picture here, Nemesis is going to go on above it, and Nemesis is, a, it, it, it is actually a more accessible film, so I'm going to concede it. Yes, thank you. I It's not that, I don't think there's much variance in I'm I'm a super fanning it. Yeah. I love the motion picture because, like, I'm just a massive Star Trek fan, but I have to remember that, as I said, I think I pointed it out with other ones, that if someone's going to be watching it, if someone's going to be given a list of Star Trek films to watch, Nemesis is going to, they're going to, the motion picture would blow their brain. To me, Nemesis was a film that you could watch without having what, having had to see all of the other mm-hmm. Star Trek films. I didn't feel like it carried a lot of the weight of the other films, and that was maybe to its actual benefit. It was just a fun action film. It felt like it had that Marvel kind of you know, the early, you know, the sort of stuff yeah. you see in the Guardians films. Visually, you mentioned how the motion picture was amazing, and it was. And from a visual feast, it was. One of that was probably, to me, its, its main and only strong point. Um, other than just having the excitement of seeing the Star Trek cast in a film. Um, but Nemesis had some great visuals. I think you forget that when you've not, uh-huh. it's been a few films since then. I remember we were quite blown away by some of the, the visuals. The colour green was one of the things I remember. But just uh, cinematically, I think that this film, it was a very well edited film as well as we mm-hmm. remembered. And it aged well uh-huh. as well. I think it aged better. I think it's a film that has got better with age. Do you know, beyond a Nemesis are the two ones that I'm the saddest about, that they didn't get the appreciation that maybe they should have yep. got. Yeah. So that's why I'm fighting for Nemesis here, and I feel Nemesis is therefore the better film over the motion picture. So are we locking in number seven, the most Star Trek, the motion picture? Yeah. Fair enough, because it's right in the middle of the list. Okay. I'll I mean, it's that. by no means the worst film. No, not absolutely not. In fact, in terms of accessibility against being shit, that's probably the perfect place for it, to be honest. But um, yeah, luck- luckily enough, I had it down for number six. So number seven, again, is not a big loss for me. You know what I mean? Okay. So, so it's gone down one point, basically. Like, So I don't mind that. I can shift that. Yeah. Like, if I'm going from number six to number seven for a film, 
Yeah, fine. Okay. So what about number six? What did you have for that? This might be controversial. Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Interesting. I had that then number four. So not too far off. Yeah, initially it was number four until both Nemesis and Beyond came into the picture. Well, I have Beyond as number five. Well, we'll go into it. Um, but so if let me see, so so we've got here. I'm saying the voyage home number six. What film Nemesis is still in contention because you feel it's it's probably lower. So it's between the voyage home Nemesis and what did you say for number six? There's the motion picture, which is already the motion been, picture. So yeah. it's really again between the fight between Nemesis and the voyage home. I I, I would have to I would have to <laughs> say the voyage I home. Maybe am I pushing it with Nemesis in this one? I think the voyage home is a classic trek with the old cast. And it is probably one of the biggest critical and commercial successes the franchise ever had. If not the best. Okay, yeah. So a lot of people would put that much higher than we are. So I think a conservative number six for that would make sense. Okay. Now, bear in mind that I'm knocking that down from fourth position, if I was to put it there. No, yeah, I, I think... Time being, I would, I would, I would, I, think I would put Nemesis. I remember finding it funny, and I, I would put it. Nemesis here, yeah, and keep yeah. I'd, Nemesis. I think to be in the top, almost in the top five, is about fair. Yeah, Nemesis is just outside of being a top five Star Trek film. Okay, you know what? I, I'm, I, I agree with that actually. That I'm probably maybe propping up a little too much. It's my, no, but I, I, I love it as well. Like mm-hmm. I felt the same way you do, but it's never going to be better than the five that I've got. Okay. For the top five, do you know what I mean? Like, it can't be, it's impossible. Like, Nemesis is not, it's not failing by not being better than them. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it is a great movie and it's fun. Okay, so number six, Star Trek Nemesis. So we're left to the top five now. It's fucking five past two and I can't believe how late this is. Yeah. This is insane. <laughs> Right, the final five. We're nearly there, Fran. It's like the Cylons in yeah. Battlestar Galactica. Well, this is, again, this is for me, it's Nemesis, so it's already been locked in. Yep. So Beyond. Star Trek Beyond? Yep. Oh, what's, in the top what's five? been left to argue about? I feel like it can't be just automatically locked in, surely. Well, The Voyage Home I voted so in the previous one, so The Voyage Home or Beyond? This is actually see. now Beyond has the benefit of we've just watched it and we are in good spirits because but of bear in mind is. I know the Voyage Home off by heart as well so like it's not like an old movie I haven't seen yeah, no, like I know it. so let me just have a think for a second so you know <laughs> I guess it depends on I think it depends on what we're what the criteria is here accessibility I think they're both accessible okay yeah um, I don't think I think what made Star Trek 4 so successful was that it was kind of relatable it was bringing uh-huh. it home they were literally member, back on earth uh-huh. any people could go and see that and relate to it and get to know the characters through the lens of the world they were living in at the time and even even us now like the 80s is far more accessible to us than the 23rd century so like you could watch it and be like isn't it funny seeing these folk wandering around in the past and I do remember laughing at Chekhov you know sent to like a Russian what was it he was in a, a military American base or something yeah yeah, and, and they were interrogating like them. And yeah. that sort of like the fish out of water stuff was hilarious. Uh-huh. And it gave all the characters a chance to shine as well. Yeah. 
you know like I, I think the plot was nonsense uh-huh. <laughs> yeah it was crazy but 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 it was coherent it was, it was a relative more or less a comedy so it can kind of get a pass on that i do appreciate that yeah. for me beyond though cinematically shot the way the production improvements from the the lack of lens fare the cast were much better the story was straightforward it was it was to me beyond as a better film and it i just enjoyed it you know actually you're right i would say because they're both ensemble films but i do think that the supporting cast got more to do in beyond and more meaningful stuff to do yeah yeah so i think i would agree on this one wow i mean we can, we can. No, really, it's one of those where I've, I've, you know, you've got to consider it because you're making your own list or whatever, and then you're, someone else is making a list. But yeah, it's interesting that we place these ensemble films so closely. Very but I think yeah. that Beyond is the better ensemble film because it actually is far fairer to the cast, mm-hmm. and yeah. I, 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 and it's more exciting. It was that first two thirds of that film was tremendous. Uh huh. It was like having an original series episode lead into a, yep. a blockbuster. All the things that I want from the Star Trek films that film delivered. My nostalgia for that original television series, um, as well as the um, kind of pacier feel of a blockbuster popcorn film. That was all meshed together. The cast were on point. The look of the film, the production, the direction, everything, the set, the set, like the actual set design, much. Yeah, I, I loved it. Really enjoyed that film. Great viewing experiences I've had in a wee while. Yeah, it it was, wasn't it? It so, was fun. Yeah, uh, for me, that's why it ranks higher than that. So, are we let's, happy let's to agree that in. number five is Star Trek for the Voyage Home? It's only one down from yeah, from where to put it. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm happy to let it shift slightly. Mm-hmm. It's not like they were talking about five places here. No, it'd be probably quite like unfair, I think, to do that. It's quite interesting how the list is quite. I think our lists are maybe one out. Kind of the certain films like Generations and The Search for Spock are slightly out of place, maybe mm. a couple or whatever. But it's not. Yeah, it's not. We're not like. But, but those are like nebulous movies, anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do with them? Yeah, I'm trying to look at so far how we voted on the how we star rated them. So Into Darkness got a one and a two rating. Insurrection was both unanimous a two star rating, which that fits. Final Frontier next got a free a blow free from both of us. Generations again was a standard free, and then Search for Spock was a free. Star Trek reboot was initially a four and then dropped down, reassessed to a free, a mm-hmm. high free, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And, and then the motion picture was a straight free as well, which is the next film. Nemesis is the first four star film. Interesting. So we're actually so getting... we're actually doing it in order almost of how they were rated. The Voyage Home. I can't remember if you gave this a five or a four. Because mm-hmm. I gave it a four, you might have given it a five. Mm-hmm. So yes, they're, they're they're actually matching the star ratings. It's more weird or less. that. Um, so where are we? Number four. Right. Well, that would have been the voyage home, but probably would be beyond, I suppose. Uh, so you've put the voyage home, which we've already locked uh-huh. as five, which would mean my pick of number four or my number four pick of Star Trek: First Contact. Interesting. So it's between First Contact and Beyond for number four. Which, by the way. 
my beyond is my number three. In first contact's my three. So we're really arguing the case. What where do these two films sit? Well, I would have to strongly consider first contact for this because I feel that um Jonathan Frakes did a well, first of all, for the audience, it is a film that you can walk in with a bucket of popcorn and watch the Borg blow the hell out of Starfleet. That opening for Star Trek First Contact is bang, bang, bang. Time travel. Boom. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's like, it's like um, you know, the Borg, we get the flashback of Picard, we get Picard having a, a freaky dream we know about the Borg, then it's the, the Borg attack Starfleet, the Enterprise goes to help, then, you know... But the first half an hour of First Contact is just like Star Trek 101 action film. It's like, if you didn't know what Star Trek was, by that first half an hour finishing, you'd have an idea of who they all were and what the hell was going on and it was tight as anything. And that's a, that's a first time director. Well, that is Jonathan an amazing achievement. Um, it is the best generation, um, next generation film. And they had a lot less money than Beyond and, and at the time. And I think that, you know, it was, it was a Basically, I think that First Contact was an extraordinary film that came out of an an environment that should not have produced a film that good. Like it, it, it that film is a billion times better than it should ever possibly have been. Yeah, generations and then that, like, and then Insurrection. First Contact was the accidental fucking genius baby, like born out of a time that. Where did that come from? Nineteen ninety six. First Contact would have been like. Imagine First Contact with today's budget. Imagine what that movie would be like today. Yeah, like I war on a starship, yeah. like like fighting zombified Borg and like the entire Federation fleet fighting a Borg cube. It would be an absolutely unbelievable film today. Like, I remember pacing wise as well. Pacing, I loved it, and I thought the Borg were uh, a great. Villain is they were menacing. They had they brought intensity. What's his name? Cromwell playing Zephyr Cochrane. What's his name? Something Cromwell, the older guy. Oh, I can't remember. But um, I remember at one point thinking they were a little doddery in that some of the scenes when you realise you could just kind of walk past them and pretend. Well, they were like bugs. Yeah. They would only attack if they felt the nest was under attack. Well, I liked some of the scenes when they were going through the ship and they were trying to avoid the Borg and things. It felt like aliens. But I I remember kind of almost wanting it to be, to develop that. That mm-hmm. that feeling and, and to really explore what it would be like a Star Trek version of Aliens, you mm-hmm. know, where they're hunted by the Borg. That that had been phenomenal, but I don't think the film did that. And that's me with a certain expectation. It's unfair to put that on the film, but I couldn't help but feel that way. Mm-hmm. And then the second half reveal with the the Borg Queen kind of demystified them a little forever. As mm-hmm. well, not just for that film, but that was a, something that changed the. But the, I still you know, think I know. I mean, that they, yeah. the Borg are a better villain than the villains and beyond. Um, like they are, they are more terrifying. They are. I'll give you that. To be fair, you know, I, you know what? That's true. The the, the villains and beyond are kind of. Uh, well, they were Starfleet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Whereas the true. Borg are just yeah. this machine that wants to consume everything. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something terrifying about that. And it links back to the Next Generation series with Picard being assimilated by the Borg. There's a lot there. Like, I feel like, I, th- I think it's one of those where First Contact's got to be. Okay, you know what? It's got to be. Yeah, okay. I'll concede now. Beyond <laughs> is our number four. 
which yep. is which is fucking respectable for a reboot movie. Yeah, I mean, think about all the all the classic films that that's come on top of. Let's face it, before this project started, we would have thought the Star Trek would never have said Beyond would, would be number four. No, never in a million that would be years. Number seven or eight at best. Yeah, I assumed it was going to be. That's the, the big surprise of this. Yeah, I think that even more than Nemesis. Yeah. Um. Okay. So it then. I think First Contact would be three. Yeah, I agree. We've already lost by number three pick. So, yes, I agree. First Contact is number three then. So that's... We've only got two more. I'm just going to write these down first. God, we're getting to the final. There's only two films left. Yeah. For the two spots. So if we've agreed... I think we both agree on them as well a bit. But let's just... Two six. <laughs> uh, it's quite interesting that we we would have agreed given our different perspectives. Look, we're over an hour now. Um, I can't believe we've finished this project. Yep. Okay, our final two. Let's let's say it together at the exact same time. Number two is Star, Star Trek, Trek 6, 6 the Undiscovered, undiscovered Country. country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would be so funny if yeah. one of us said the rest so of What made you put that number two then? Um... I don't feel it's quite as memorable as an iconic as one. It's just as enjoyable as a film. I remember loving um, some of the scenes. I remember the, the dinner scene. Uh-huh. I loved that when he quotes Hitler and things like that. And I thought uh, the Klingons as a villain uh, were, were great. I really enjoyed them and they were a great menace. Um, but when we're comparing it to the Wrath of Khan, I think the Wrath of Khan had some, some. It's just perfect. Yeah, it was. It was the best film, the best villain. We've already voted as, of course, Khan, and yeah, it's some of the best dialogue between the the earned death scene. The the this you know. Do you know great. actually talking about the earned death scene? You know, with Star Trek Two, taking that to Star Trek Six. Star Trek Six to me had earned sort of experience with the crew. Like I love Star Trek Six because you're looking at people who are like late, late, well, mid sixties, just about to hit retirement. You're watching Star Trek Six and you're watching a crew who are the most experienced they could possibly be. They're grey haired. They're old. They're not handsome anymore. They're beautiful anymore. Uhura's old. Scotty's fat and old, and practically a grandfather figure Kirk's old and you know a, but like yeah. there's this whole idea that like there's something nice about them going onto the bridge mm-hmm. for the mission and it's almost like it, it Star Trek 6 to me feels like you're watching a but you literally are watching a bunch of legends carrying out their last little kind of mission yeah, it's the final know? mission but like there's a feeling don't you do you know what I'm trying to say like there's this feeling that you're watching like there's something it's magical bit, it's, about it's it heavier. special it's got a bit more of a weight to it but don't you feel it's magical special like to see them yeah I'd say so you know um, I think more for you because you followed them through the television show but isn't it fascinating to watch people who have aged yeah I suppose yeah Yeah, I, I guess it's kind of I like, think at points it got silly that final third with the action yeah. scene it just got a bit nonsense but the start part was great yeah the first two, again two thirds of that film were, were very good and I enjoyed it um, like so yeah Bones and Kurt talking about retirement and you know Kirk looking at the picture of his son on his desk, like all these little callbacks. There was a lot of nice stuff. Yeah. I went nuts at the end, yeah, but yeah. I could forgive it for that. No, true. It Nicholas Mayer did his job again. Yep, yeah, and talking about Nicholas Mayer, we'll lock in 
now we've got number two, our only, obviously, le- film left. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, number one. Yep. Yeah, and I think, really, we couldn't have made any other decision. I think it was an obvious one, wasn't it? It was going there. It it's was, never going to be any It was going to be between these two, but I think I, I kind of knew this mm-hmm. was how it was going to go. No surprise there. It's a well-deserved film. Um, it's obviously been critically applauded. You know, it's got all the, the plaudits from all the years and... and Star Trek 2 is not just a good Star Trek film or a sci-fi film. It's a film that would appear on lists of yeah, films. Like actual all a, films that yeah. you should... Like, say, the top 50 movies you should watch. Say, I mean, I would imagine Star Trek 2 would appear between 40 and 50 or something like that, of, like, your, your like, Citizen Kane all the way down, like, through your genre films. Like, your genre films are going to start to appear there in the last 10, but Star Trek 2 is all, like, The Terminator or... Star Wars A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back might appear in there um, Star Trek 2 mm-hmm. that's the one out yeah. of all of the things that Star yeah, Trek's produced it's the produced. only one that it really steps out from that from the other films into that sort of next level doesn't it mm-hmm. it's the only one I gave um, I was close to giving it a 4 um, but I gave it a five. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the only one I've given even close to a 5 the rest have all been 4s do, do, do you know what the beauty of Star Trek 2 is right at the very core of it, it's about people going from being younger-ish into mid- middle age and the insecurities of middle age. And I think that's something that speaks to a lot of people. And I think as you get older, Star Trek 2 becomes more relevant to your life. You start to realise that your birthdays are a little bit sadder. You're like, fucking hell, I'm 34, 35, whatever. You know, you're like, you know, life's leaving me behind a little bit. What am I choosing to do with my life? All of these kinds of questions. Um, That maybe dealing with adversity, having a purpose, these things are important to us. And I think that, you know, that's... a. At the core of all of the greatest movies are human questions or human concerns. It's not about aliens trying to destroy the earth. It's not, this is a battle between one man and another man. This is not, this is about revenge. This is about growing old. This isn't about the, the fate of the human race or killing billions of people because those things don't matter to us really. You could watch the news, like we might look at the news and see a thousand people died and we might feel sad, but we're going to feel a lot more sad if our best friend dies. Right, because that's what matters to us, and that's what Star Trek Two gets right, and a lot of the best films have that. When it's something human that speaks to us, yeah, basic you know? emotional element oh, to it. That's great. Yeah, and 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 I think you know that's a thing that Nicholas Mayer understands, and I think he did it with Star Trek Six as well because it's about retirement. Nicholas Mayer is a masterful kind of guy, like, and so Leonard Nimoy was great as well because Leonard Nimoy was very heavily involved in Two and in six and the whole idea of stuff that affects you or stuff that affects a character directly or a group of people um i think we will always find that the films that deal with those issues are going to be at the top of a list because we can identify with them yeah i would say that and and by the way i'm sorry for pure speechifying there but i really feel that i think the film deserves some sort of critical appraisal at this point uh we Enjoy it. It's number one. I mean, it's... we love the action, don't we? Yeah, but it's not. But it's, that's a great character. But as well. beyond had action, even into darkness had action. But what those didn't have fully was that. So let's just that that basic, real, believable human kind of humanity to the film. 
Let's run down then the <clears throat> list. I can't believe I can't believe we've actually done this. I cannot believe it. My God, January to November, nearly a year. This project's been going on. Yeah, a year. I think we should celebrate. What an achievement to have done done an entire Captain's Log project. Brilliant. Half past two. <laughs> okay, so the final list voted by the Capiche cast of myself and Fran for the Captain's Log project. Definitive, the worst Star Trek film, number 13, Star Trek Into Darkness, followed by number 12, Star Trek Insurrection, one of the most boring films I have watched in a while, and followed slightly then, Star Trek V, Final Frontier. Um, this is where the films start to get slightly better, I would say, at this point. The the, the flaws are, like, less mm. egregious. Those are the three terrible ones. Well, Final yeah, Frontier had expense, two great extent. scenes, but it wasn't a great film. Yeah. Number 10, Star Trek Generations. Number 9, Star Trek Free: The Search for Spock. And number 8, the Star Trek 2009 Reboot. Which is a big surprise, I think, mm-hmm. how low that has been voted. Uh, number seven, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Number six, Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, number five, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Quite surprising. Mm-hmm. And here's another surprise. Number four, Star Trek Beyond. Yep, Justin Lin listened to this, and Simon Pegg, and what was the other guy? Doug Chung. <laughs> Yeah, like, good job, by the way, to get into the top. Yeah, all those uh, awards, four, like money this. you receive for it, means yeah, nothing. Yeah, it means, compared to, to compared to this list. The credit from the Capiche yeah. podcast. We know what we're talking about, by the way. And number three, Star Trek First Contact. Yeah, which I think is entirely fair in the top three. Number two, Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. The perfect placement. And our winner. Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan. As well, always. Yep. Has to be. We, we couldn't have chosen anything else, could we? Yep. So congratulations to our winners <laughs> from uh, all the categories earlier. I'm not, I can't be bothered. Yeah. Nicholas Mayer, finally you're validated. <laughs> yeah, I know. After all these years, we've finally given you what you wanted. Yep. It, it was good. You're, you are the top two. Nicholas. Pick Nick. A- Smoke a cigar. He smokes cigars, you know. Pick a number from 1 to 13. 8. Why? I mean, I know it's part of the list. What are you doing, Steve? What, what, what's this scheme? I know that we find this interesting, but the listeners don't... They can't see what we're doing when we're sitting quietly. You have to keep them engaged, like I'm doing just now. Hey, guys. Okay, let me just see if there's any good lines we can do. Right, picking lines from something. Any good lines we can do, Steve? That's a bit... Uh, Inappropriate for okay. Let's see if podcast. you can do a good, let's see if you can do a good Picard impression. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The line is: "You want to destroy the ship and run away, you coward. You want to destroy the ship and run away, you coward." <laughs> <coughs> let's stay. I'll keep giving you a couple. That is not about revenge. By who? That's Picard. Sorry. What's that from? Same film. Number eight, Star Trek First Contact. That is not about revenge. The lines are, Lily Sloan says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your little quest. Captain Ahab has to go hunt his whale. John Luke Picard, what? 
flown. You do have books in the 24th century. That is not about revenge. <laughs> that is not about revenge. I think it's pretty much how he delivers it. You gotta give me some Kirks. Right, okay, we'll pick a number. Got, uh, 17. Right, between 1 and 13. With um, obviously, well, if you want 4. Kirk, right. We are not in gravity anymore, as Sean Connery said on a previous uh, sound file. Still making good films, you know. <laughs> Definitely cutting that. Right. Force! The tree! Little bones in the coins. Oh, just whatever. Uh, let me just, let me just give, give me a few come, quotes. Let's see, let's see what we've got. Let's get a nice, nicely sized one. Ah, what's this? In fact, okay. give it over to me so I can read it out. Well, the line, so Jillian says, okay, I don't know what this is all about, but I want you guys out of here right now or I'll call the cops. And then James T. Kirk says, I assure you that won't be necessary. We're only trying to help. I assure you that won't be necessary. We're only trying to help. Okay. <laughs> we, here's a little line from Kirk. Um, Savick in Star Trek 2 says um, something to Kirk and Kirk's like, self-expression doesn't seem to be one of your problems. <laughs> There's also a line here. Wales, Mr. Scott. Wales. Yeah. Wales, Mr. Scott. Wales. And everybody remember where we parked. Everybody remember where we parked. Okay, Jillian says, don't oh. tell me. Oh, wait, wait. Here's one. Um, when uh, Kirk says to Scotty, we're going to be needing a bunch of tanks for humpbacks. Um, and uh, Scotty goes, humpbacked? What? People? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's find some quotes from Star Trek 2. Uh, what about um, doing the can scream, Steve? God. God! Ah, okay, here's a good line. A no-win situation is a possibility any commander may face. That's James T. Kirk. Okay. A no-win situation is a possibility any commander may face. Lieutenant. Yeah, because that's part of it as well. It doesn't say here, though, all right. Why don't you pick one for me then? Right. Okay. To the last I grapple with thee. <laughs> From hell's heart I stab at thee. For hate's sake I oh, spit sake. my last breath at thee. This is can like there you go. You read need it to read. Well, that's can. Right. I don't know how can sounds. Right. This right. To the last I grapple with thee. From hell's heart I stab at thee. For hate's sake I spit my last breath at thee. It's very good. Right, give me a Oh, here's one. one. Here's one for you. Right. Well, read it out normally, not saying it in the Kirk voice. Right. Yeah. In fact, I'll read this. Right. This is oh. can again. Right. Unless you want to read it. No, out. that's alright. Can you go? I thought you didn't want it. Did <laughs> I'll do Kirk ones. You do the can ones. I've done far worse than kill you. I've hurt you. Had a wish to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me. As you left her, marooned for all eternity, in the centre of a dead planet, buried alive, buried alive. And you see the response? Can. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do that then. Can! <laughs> you show me the way to the bathroom. <laughs> Alright, pick one, pick a line for Kirk from me. Okay, there you go. And don't forget, human. Like he says, human in a weird way. So the line is, of all the souls I've encountered on my travels, his was the most human. Uh -huh. Right, okay, I'll read it like Kirk then. Uh -huh, but it's like, of all the souls I've encountered on my travels, 
His was the most human. Okay, let me try. <laughs> of all the souls I've encountered on my travels, <laughs> his was the most human. <laughs> you have to go, <laughs> okay, like human. human. I, I can't remember the line how he says it. Human. Right. Like his lip quivers at that point. He's like, human. Human. Uh, Do the whole line. I have and always shall be your friend. Yeah. Yeah. The needs of the few. <laughs> I'm just reading any line I can see that's got James T. Kirk in it. They're mostly all can line. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. I think we're done then. 1 hour 18. We're at 2.36 a.m. Yeah, I don't know how much that will keep. I might just as a run as a medley all those impressions. Yeah, yeah. Like not actually have the silences. Okay, we are done. We've ranked the films. We've given our best impressions. The Star Trek Captain's Law Project is finito. It's I can't done. believe it. I can't. I honestly cannot believe it. Yeah, I know. This I'll... is the first thing I have ever completed. Well, I no longer need to see you anymore. Thanks, man. <laughs> no, wait, you're still part of the Bond Daft bloody podcast. God damn it. I know. I'm like a... Well, basically, I'm like an STD. You can't shake off. On that note, we are done. We will see you when we decide what the next project will be. Or if you just listen to one of the Bond Daft ones, you can listen to that. Bye from Fran. Bye, bye, bye. Live long and prosper. I'm glad you remembered the line. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's as done, can you believe? Oh my God.